Our scripture reading this morning is, uh, is going to come uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Again, you can go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, but you can also uh, mark that place, and let's go on over to the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 2 for just a moment. Again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, and also you can turn over our beginning reading this morning is going to come from Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start reading in these uh, few places in a moment. And as you turn to those two places, there's a, there's a great movement that goes on, and probably more so now, about distracted driving. Distracted driving, and, and what are you distracted from? You know, I, it's not just people that have their phones out while they're driving and they're distracted. Uh, sometimes uh, we see a lot of things on the side of the road, and if you're like me, a lot of times it doesn't take much to get my attention. And I get distracted. Instead of paying attention to the road, I'm, I'm reading the sign or I'm, I'm looking at what color somebody's painted a post over here or, or, or the kids that are on a field and we're distracted by so many things. The industry has really put a great emphasis on not being distracted. Not because just is it for safety reasons that you don't want somebody to get hurt, but the industry says that if you're distracted, then the product is not going to, there is a greater chance that the product will not turn out the way that it's supposed to turn out. And I say these things to you today because let's evaluate and ask ourselves a question. Is it possible for us or can it or does it or is it happening that we can be distracted? Now we're going to read about a, a, a laborers that labor together. There's nothing that, that you do not want more than somebody you are working with that they get distracted because it can hurt you. What happens if they're holding something, a, a block or a stone, and they're handing it to you, and they're distracted, and they're not looking, and all of a sudden you're not looking, and they drop it, and it's on your toe. Distractions, a lot of times, keep things from happening the way they're supposed to. Ephesians chapter 2, I want to skip down to the 19th verse, and let's ask ourselves a question. Are we working or are we laboring? Yes, that we are working and we are laboring. Maybe that's the way I should state it even clearer this morning. But let's begin reading, if I can, the 19th verse of Ephesians chapter 2. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. There are people that are working with us. Folks, I believe in the harmony of God's people. I believe in the harmony of working together with the Lord. But let's keep reading. Not only are we citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Notice the construction. Notice the building that is happening. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. And we're going to really look at that this morning about being fitly framed. And, and what that means is, is that it is a perfect fit in a place. When they're building these walls, that each one had a, a specific and an individual place that they belong. Folks, I understand that sometimes it is kind of slanderous to us when we get, quote, put in our place. But you know what? Let's look at it from God's eyes. We all do have a place. And what I mean by a place is, where does God want you and what does God want you doing? 
I will start with the unsaved people this morning. God wants you saved. But you've got to want what God wants. We're going to sit here this morning and you're going to say, Preacher, if, if a child of God, not only does God have a place for them and a purpose for them, they've got to want to be in that place. We also have to say that that happens for unsaved people too, that they have to have a desire to be where God wants them. He wants them in the very palm of his hand where he can protect them and then they're saved. He wants that. But listen, read, read what he says. In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God... But that happens through the Spirit in whom you are also builded together. There's a building. There's a, a construction. In other words, it's not past tense that we are finished. As we hear in the old child song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. God is working in our lives. And I'm thankful for that today. For he says that we are, are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. It's a place that God can dwell in. Let's turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians, if you mark that place, for just a minute. And I want to really focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for just a moment. And I want to skip down to about the 8th verse. We're talking about laboring together. Not only one with another, but folks, more importantly, we are laboring together with God. For what would a lost soul this morning be like without God? What would our world be like without God? What would a church be like without God? What would your life be like without the Word of God? The list goes on and on and on and on. If you remove God from the equation, if you will, if you remove God, what is everything else? And I believe the Scriptures teach us it's vanity. Vanity is another word that is empty. In other words, it has an appearance of something, but there, there's nothing to it. It's vanity. It's, there's emptiness in that, folks. God fills voids. Maybe we should word it like that. God fills voids. The very first void that we have in our life is a, is a need to be saved, folks. There's a void in your life that only God can fill. Only God can meet the needs of a lost individual. But I want to focus this morning on being distracted laborers this morning. I want us to think about distracted laborers. And that, that, that if we're distracted, then God cannot feel that need. If you're distracted from being saved, God's not going to feel that need. If we're distracted in our labors, then, then God is not going to feel the need that we have to be in fellowship with Him. But let's read if we can. Beginning in verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Now we're talking about distracted, meaning working together, and that 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 lost people need God, and they have to work together. God can do His part; lost people have to do their part. Saved people, we need God, and God desires that we would follow Him. But we also need one another, and that's why I thank God for my church so often. Is that well, what a wonderful strength that we can find one from another? But He says, "Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one." And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Think about people that are distracted. For we are laborers together. And again, that means that we work not only with God, but we work one with another. For you are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me and as the foundation and another buildeth our own 
but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You know, this morning, I want you to think about something. We often wonder, we think that, well, somebody else's actions are going to cause us to have repercussions in our life. And even though I do agree with that, folks... God can use us if we get our hearts where we want to be. If we are not distracted and we can be a builder for Him. If you're here today and you've never been saved, it begins with you believing in God. Sure, people might be hindrance to you. And I and I understand that the devil will throw that crooks out all the time. Well, what about this or what about that? But you see, God can remove all the people and the sinfulness of people. And God can work things out in your soul. And that's what you need. But let's read that last uh, verse there of... of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and not the last verse, the last verse we're going to read, the 11th verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So this morning as we look in these two places that we read to you this morning, and I want you to think about all the things in life that, that, that we have a responsibility and a labor to do. And I ask you that because... Is there anybody here this morning that finds it easy to be distracted from what God wants? I can remember when I was lost. I remember, I don't know exactly what age I was when I first knew that I was a, a sinful person and I'd been taught that. But when I knew for my own self that I was a sinner, I understood that, that there would come a time in my life that I needed to seek after the Lord. But, it, but in saying that, because... What is it in our life that, that God, as He begins to, uh, to speak to us and to draw us and to show us the needs we have in our life, what is it today that cumbers us and burdens us down that we're not seeking after Him or that we're not doing what He would have us to do or the building that we should do? For I want to turn back to the book of Luke for just a minute. And I want you to look in the Luke chapter 10 for just a moment. Luke chapter 10. 10. When we talk about people that are distracted, I used to try to distract myself. I would leave church or I would try to get a piece of paper out and I would draw on it. And uh, it's hard to imagine, but I would try to talk to the person sitting beside me, whispering in church. And I, I got the evil eye for talking in church. I did. But you know, there was a lot of things I tried to do, but no matter how much I got distracted, God would always let me know what I should and should not be doing. God would let me know the truth. And I'm telling you that this morning because do you find it easy to get distracted with something? We're going to read some of these things in just a moment, but, but let's read if we can in the book of Luke chapter 10, and let's skip down to about the 38th verse. Let's read this scripture this morning about Mary and even Martha. Martha gets cumbered down. We're going to look at that word cumbered here in just a moment. And I believe it's an important word that we need to look at today. But distraction means that we can be cumbered about. And what are things in our life that, that burden us or distract us? And it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. So Jesus was passing by and a certain woman named Martha. Martha had a job. Mary had a job. Scott's got a job. You've got a job. We all have our responsibilities. But in those responsibilities, when we're, when we're all working together and we're all laboring together, that we read in Ephesians and even in 1 Corinthians, when we read in those two places how we labor together, Mary and Martha were going to labor together. Not always on the, on the same page, but they're going to labor together. Now this lady named Martha, she had a sister called Mary. 
which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. Isn't it amazing today that two people in the same positioning, hearing the same thing, have two different hearts? You know what today? There's a world out there today that are hearing the same message. They're, 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 they're in the exact same place, but their hearts in total different places. You see today, religion's not automatically meaning that's where you should be. You can still be religious, but yet be distracted. You can have all kinds of places that you can go in the world and you can come into the house of the Lord and you can still be distracted. You can be in the world thinking about church. You can be in church thinking about the world. I don't have a clue what's on your heart. And, that, and, and I struggle with even what's on my own sometimes. But when we think about what God does, it says that Mary and Martha, that God's going to work in them through Christ. He's going to work with them. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered means she was distracted. That's what it means. And by the way, in the New Testament, this is the only time this word is used. It's the only time. Now, there's other words that kind of mean to lose focus about things, but the only time this word is used is right here in this 40th verse where it said, But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. You see, we get to a place here that Martha, in this, in this particular verse, in the 40th verse, she was cumbered. Now, what, what does it mean to be cumbered? It means she was distracted. But it also means, if you want to look it up, it means to be, to be driven away, mentally speaking. You know, there's sometimes we get to think that, you know, our bodies are here, but our minds have checked out. Does anybody understand what I mean when I say that? My body is there, but my mind has checked out. You know what? We all understand that. And that's a, when you look at that word right there, when it says, but Martha was cumbered. In other words, her body was there, but her, 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 her mind and her heart, it had checked out. I, I fear a lot of times people come to church and their heart's not in it. It's a box they can check off. It's something they say they can do, but they're cumbered. They're distracted here. It says that she was, was, was to, be, to be driven away. She was uh, occupied. In other words, that's also what that word means. It means to be over-occupied. You know a word that we kind of, we're using now, we kind of call it overstimulated is what we say. Well, our minds just run so much and our, our, we think about so many things and all of a sudden we're thinking about so many things and we're forgetting about our whole purpose behind things. We quietly have ignored the a mental concern that goes on around our world today. We have so much that we throw in front of people that one out of five people are going to face something by the time they're 14 years old in their life because they have pulled in so many different ways. They're occupied with so many things that are out there. You see, I pray and I love it when these children come and they sit in church and they're being reared and being taught the things of God. There's always going to be something pulling at them. There's always something that's going to try to occupy their minds. But God says that you do not need to be distracted. We need to be zeroed in for it says here that Martha, it says she was cumbered about much. Now, what it means is that uh, she, was, she was real busy about something. She was over-occupied about something. Her brain was just uh, totally stimulated on the fact about taking care of, of, of the physical things of Jesus. She was forgetting about her own relationship. That's what we mean when we say distracted. For Martha got to that place, she was cumbered about much serving. 
She got so burdened down and so thought about uh, all these other things that were not as important. Remember what we read in Ephesians. Remember what we read in 1 Corinthians, how it is important that we remember that we are laborers together. And she goes on to say, she says, Lord, thou dost not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Here she was. She had got to a place that she was totally distracted. Her heart, her mind was in one place. Her body was in another. And, and sadly enough, her heart was totally somewhere else. This morning, I, I, I ask you to ask yourself and to search yourself, where is your heart at today? Where is your mind? Sometimes our heart gets into thinking about or our mind gets to thinking about uh, critical or maybe even we're, we're worried about all the things that are happening in the world today. But what's true is this morning is how is our relationship with the Lord? Are we truly focused on our part? Now if the person beside us is not focused, that's totally something different. If the person beside us has lost that focus, then, then, then we're praying that God would get their attention and God will. But notice with, with Mary and Martha, he, that, that it got to a place that Martha said, Lord, are you not concerned that my sister, that you're here and she's more worried about uh, being attentive to you than she is being attentive about uh, the, the, the needs or the, the, the physical things. I'm glad today to know that Jesus can supply all of our needs. But there are people today that definitely are cumbered. Paul says over in the book of 2 Timothy, if you want to turn over there for just a minute. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. I want to give you a visual for just a second. There's sometimes I've been known to throw that fishing hook out and it gets tangled up. And it gets so tangled up and I try to undo it and it gets all backlash and all these things happen. I finally get to the point, I just cut it off. And I want to start all over. Sometimes we get tangled. Or maybe the word should be entangled. We see fish, a lot of times they get caught in nets. We see the dolphins, they get caught in traps. And you know, we, we see all these things that are entangled. Why, why does it break our heart when we see a fish... In a, in a trap. Why does it hurt us when we see animals that are, that are caught in traps or they've gotten in a line or something? Why does it break us? Because they're not being able to be free and they're not able to do what they, that their nature says or maybe even that they should be doing. And I'm saying all that because listen to what Paul tells young Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this Life. Let me ask you, do you believe today that the things of this world can entangle us and distract us from what God wants us to do? When I say entangled, I think we all understand a fish in a net. The fish is not free, folks. If we're not free in the Lord and we're not laboring the way that we should, we, we find ourselves entangled. But the really important question is, what are we entangled in? Paul tells him there, he says, no man... That warth entangled himself. By the way, do you notice the context of the very chapter he's reading? Go back to verse 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, the world is going to try to entangle you, but don't do that. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. What I have, I'm passing along. Thou therefore endure hardness... 
As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, watch the traps, watch the entanglement, watch the things that are going to slow you down. You and I say people today that we are, we are soldiers for the Lord. And that's why he tells them. He says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Folks, if God has given you the entire armor of God, we shouldn't be entangled with the affairs of the world. We should be suited about with the armor of God. That's what protects us. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you are here this morning and you've caught yourself or... Sometimes we're aware of the fact that we've gotten entangled in so many things. May God be able to be the one that sets us free today. Are you in that place today that you feel like that you've gotten so entangled in something in your life that you cannot get out of? You're in a good place. Not because you're entangled, but you're in a good place when you realize you cannot get out of it. Because it's when we get to that place that we cannot do it, there's a time when we have to say, God, you have to do it. Do you believe there are things in life that only God can do? Do you believe in that? I do. I deeply am convicted and believe today there are some things in our life only God can do. If you're lost, only God can save your soul. If your heart is not where it needs to be, then God can bring you to that place. If you're entangled in the affairs of the world, only God can untangle you. Sometimes I don't think we want untangled. Sometimes I think we want to be tangled and, and wrapped up in all the affairs of this world. I think sometimes we desire that. But God is, is, is teaching us and telling us and giving us the guidance in our life that we do not need to be entangled in the affairs of this life. Do you feel like today that God is uh, trying to loose you of these things? Peter tells us over in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, preacher, you mean to tell me there's a lot of pollution in our world today? You're going to get entangled in it if we're not careful. Through the knowledge of, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. That's what I wanted to read to you this morning is, it's, it's understandable if a person gets entangled but don't let that be the moment of defeat and that the end all for you. May you say, God, that we can overcome. For it says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So you see this morning, if we are entangled and we catch ourselves to a place that, that, that we need God to come along and set us free of these things, may we not just say that we are defeated, may we say God set us free. When our minds get cluttered with so many things, may we ask God to set us free of that. When we get so cumbered about, when we get entangled with, with all the affairs of the world, and what are the affairs of the world? And you can start listing some. You may say, well, for, for me it's this and this and this. But it's about what are the things that entangle us. Entangle us means what keeps us from working the way that God wants us to. If a person is here and lost, I again want to, to again acknowledge and I want to understand and I want to ask you, what is keeping you from being saved? It's not God, it's you or something in your life and what you would have. Do you want to have that, that, that true relationship with the Lord? Do you really want these things to happen? But what are some things that keep us... To a point that we are distracted laborers. For in the book of Revelation, I want to turn over and read for just a minute. Revelation chapter 3. And 
And beginning in verse 14, the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, Revelation 3 and 17 says, or 3 and 14 says, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. We're talking about labors and what we should do. I know thy works. He said that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. One of the things that distracts us is we become complacent. What do I mean when I say we become complacent? It means we're satisfied with the condition of things in our world. Folks, today I pray that we're never satisfied with where we are. Satisfaction should only happen in heaven. There's only a longing for that. But I want to read to you the 17th verse. Because thou sayest, I'm rich. People become complacent and they're not able to, uh, to, to labor the way that they should because I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. And I have need of nothing. You see, one of the distracted darts that the Satan throws at us is we become complacent and realize we have no deficiencies where it says, I have need of nothing. I hope today that nobody can raise their hand. But folks, do you think that there's such thing as a human being that's going to live this life and say they need absolutely nothing? Folks, we all need to be saved. Every one of us, we all need to be saved. We need help. We need guidance along the way. And, and, and Jesus tells the church of Laodiceans, He said, you feel like that you've increased with goods. And He says, and you, you go on to say that you have need of nothing. With all the things that they possessed, all the things that they maintained, they felt like they did not need Jesus in their life. Folks, today, may we always see there's a need for Him. And we feel like that that's a moment of weakness if we have a need in our life. We feel like that we are, we are less than other people if we have a need in our life. Folks, we all have needs. They're physical, they're mental, they're emotional, they're spiritual. We all have needs in our life. Just because a person is spiritually saved doesn't mean there's not other needs in their life. And you know, there's other people in life that, that, one, that, that are unsaved and they have other needs, but they've got to meet their spiritual needs before they can address even these other needs. God can address those first, uh, that, that spiritual need first and foremost. He said, when you feel like that you don't have a need in your life, what are your needs? Well, uh, we, we, need, we need this, or we need that, or I need this, or I need that. Jesus said, when you get to that place when you have need of nothing, He said, thou knowest. They didn't, they didn't even understand their true condition. He says, And thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and nakedness? How sad it is for people to live a life and not truly see themselves for who they are in the eyes of God. Because you have to see your wretchedness. You have to see your sinfulness. We have to see these things before there's a need. You have to see the crack in the wall before you've got to fix the wall. You've got to see or feel a flat tire before you've got to fix the flat tire. You've got to see the hole in your pocket or feel the hole in your pocket before you fix it. 
You see, folks, do we truly understand or do we just want to ignore the fact that there are things in our life that we need help, that we have a purpose, we have a reason. And we're going to go back to Romans in just a minute, excuse me, 1 Corinthians in just a minute, where, and even Ephesians, where it talks about how that we are laborers together, that we have a purpose, we have a reason. And the Laodiceans here, he says, that, that you did not understand that they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked because they were so blinded by all the cares and the affairs of this life. Luke chapter 8, I believe it is. If I can find it, Luke chapter 8. Look what he says in the parable of the sower towards the very end of that. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches. Remember what he told the Laodiceans? Luke 8 and 14 says that you got to a place where that you were choked out by the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. That word just means it's, it's not been brought to uh, maturity. It's not, it, it, it didn't happen when it was supposed to happen. You know, I understand some of these things that we hear in life, but we hear a great deal of focus on you need to enjoy life. We just need to live the pleasures of life. There's a warning out there. May the pleasures of life not be more important than the things of God. And that's where, you know, I feel the world that pulls so many things in that focus of, Lord, I've got a stone or I've got a building that I need to do in my life and may well always do that. And we see that there's a great concern there today that we keep our eyes on the main objective, that we keep our eyes on the things that are important. For 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to turn back and read there. He that planteth, 1 Corinthians 3 and 8, He that planteth and he that watereth are one. You know, Paul is talking about his service of others and what he is supposed to do. He that planteth and he that watereth are one. They're not in competition with each other. It's not a competition, folks. Aren't you glad today to know that we're all laboring together? I'm amazed at how God's able to do these things and God's able to, 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 uh, to drive us and, and, and give us a conviction to do these things. But he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We are not in competition. If anything, the planter needs the water and the one that water. And what happens when you try to water dirt without a seed in it? They need each other. Folks, I, I don't know if I tell you this enough. I need the church. I need the church. I need people in the church. I don't just need a, a membership that I can get benefits like we do a lot of things. You get a membership to a, a wholesale place. You get cheaper groceries or whatever. Folks, there's a need that we have that fellowship one with another. And, and Paul said, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Paul said, I'm not competing with Apollos. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own Labor, Folks, God is not a debtor to anyone. But it's what He grants unto us. And God's going to grant us these things. His own reward according to His own labor. You know, sometimes we get into this idea. I say we. I should say I. 
Then it's what that, that, that what everybody else does is that it's going to affect me. But the truth is, listen to what he said. Own reward according to his own labors. Folks, aren't you glad that when we answer before God that it's not about what everybody else has done? It's about what we have done. It's about we, ourselves, and me even. You might say, what have we done? And Paul said, he that planteth and he that watereth that one. And he says, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. What is the basis? What's the baseline? Or what's the, uh, what, what, what is it all based on? It's based on our labor. Folks, today, God will bless you in accordance to what you do. God will bless you in accordance to what you do for Him and His cause and what do you do for His kingdom. For you go back and read that Ephesians chapter 2 and I encourage you to really study and pray and meditate on that, how that each, each part is perfectly fit together. But I want to tell you what God's going to do in your life. And I'm going to hush in just a second. Sometime God's going to work on a stone in your life and it's going to sit right here. Sometimes God's going to have something in your life and He's going to create another stone and it's going to sit right here. You're going to take this stone and you're going to put it right here and it doesn't fit. Folks, don't try to force anything. All of a sudden, God begins to work on another stone in your life and all of a sudden, maybe this don't fit with the second one, but then you turn right around and it fits together. And God's taking stones and places in our life and He takes people in our life and all of a sudden when they come together and you see the finished product, you can only say, God, that was you. I've never been on my deathbed. But I often wonder, Lord, can we stop when we know that time is coming and look back and say, God, you took all of these things, all of these people, all these events in my life and you brought it together for one beautiful picture that only you could do. In Ephesians chapter 2, guess who the chief cornerstone of every one of those blocks is? It's Jesus. Jesus, He's working in all of our lives and He's, and he's putting us here and there and we're doing this and we're doing that and it's all being built together not for our edification but for His edification. Aren't you glad today to know that God has not made a mistake? They used to always tell me if I was cutting pipe or a, a stud, you know, some wood or whatever, they said, measure twice and cut once. Because you don't want to mess up your links. Sometimes I'd be off just a little bit. But you know what I've learned about God? He does things perfectly. He doesn't have a ruler. He doesn't have a measuring stick. He has the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God makes us what we should perfectly be. May God use this day as a stone in your life. God makes it how He wants to. May yesterday be a day. And all week long we've gone through a day that God has made. And God's bringing them all together. And today I'm praying that if God is working in your life, that we'll see He that planteth and He that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labors. For we are labors together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. My prayers this morning, if you're here and you've never been saved, that you realize that God wants you to be a part of that. God wants you to do that, but you have to want that.